gospel and scriptural truths over time. That's why they're concerned about what we do when we gather, protecting the gospel from neglect, distortion, and redefinition. There have been different liturgies throughout history. The Roman liturgy, Luther had a liturgy, Calvin, Westminster, more modern uh, liturgies exist. Now, while the order and details aren't always the same, there are certain identifiable and remarkable similarities that reflect glory, grace, and mission. Things like starting with adoration. You know, why do we come in and, and sing? You know, many churches start with a call to worship. You know, worship the Lord your God. Well, why do that? I used to think, you know, that was kind of odd. I mean, we're always worshiping, right? I mean, all of life is worshiping. Well, we're calling God's people together to gather to worship God, to with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, give him glory and declare how great he is. Because what we need more than anything is to see the greatness of God. Our culture tells us that God isn't very great. The Bible tells us that God is greater than we can imagine. His greatness cannot be measured. So we need to be reminded of that when we, when we come together. That should cause us to see our sin, to acknowledge, oh, wow, we're not as great as God. Some churches express that through a public confession. They acknowledge their sin together. We, you can do it in song. The uh, Kyrie, which I never understood, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ. that's an expression of that. It's meant to be that. You know, Lord, we are sinful before your great holiness. Then there's an assurance of pardon, an affirmation of God's grace. It might be simply saying, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. That, that's what that's supposed to mean. It might be a pronouncement. We are forgiven in Christ. It might be what I shared this morning from the piano, just, just declaring, we have been saved through Jesus Christ. We're forgiven. We need to know that. That leads to thanksgiving. And it should be a happy place. Church should be a happy place. We are so grateful for what God has done. That leads to expression of dependence on God, petition, prayers, intercession, which then leads to instruction. We want to know what God wants us to do. You know, so that's the sermon. That's where we're taught from God's word. The, term, the sermon isn't a sharing. The sermon isn't just some opinions. The sermon is the proclamation of God's word to his people. And that's what it's meant to be. And we want to hear it because God saved us. And we're his. We belong to him. We want to live for his glory. Which then often leads to communion, fellowship, communion with each other. Many churches celebrate communion after the sermon. I think there's an appropriateness to that. I don't know when you guys do it here. But it's like saying, okay, we've walked through this. And boy, we are at peace with one another. And we're at peace with God. We are so grateful. And then there's the dismissal. There's the benediction. They're saying, go and live in the light of God's grace that you have received. That's what should happen every time we gather, in some way or another, maybe not exactly in that shape and form, but all those pieces, we should be able to see them. See, here's the deal. Christians have been seeking to construct their meetings carefully and faithfully, strategically, for thousands of years to ensure that the gospel is not lost and that its expression is not solely dependent on the creative giftings of each pastor, church, or generation. We don't want that. We don't want the proclamation of the gospel to be dependent on the giftedness of those leading us. Now, that's a factor, but we need other things set in place, and that's, that's what a liturgy does. That's what gathering together does. So can we learn something from that? 
We don't want to seek to be creative or expect technology to attract people when we already have the gospel. The power of God available to us every time we gather. So that's what we see in history. Finally, what do we see in our hearts about this? This is what we see. Whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, your greatest need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus himself. It's the Father. It's knowing God. Jesus said, this is eternal life, knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one he has sent. You don't need a better car. I mean, you might need a better car if yours isn't working at all. But that's not your ultimate need. It's not your greatest need. You don't need a spouse, ultimately. You don't need a better job, ultimately, to make you happy. You don't even need health, ultimately, to make you happy. You don't need to have a life free of opponents, ultimately. What we need is Jesus Christ. And by God's grace, we have him. We have It's amazing. But we forget. We forget. Each week we're tempted to replace the gospel with our own works, hoping there really was something in us worth saving, thinking blindly that, yeah, you know, God got a pretty good deal when he saved me. I mean, I can see why that person had to be saved, but I mean, you know, for me, I'm probably, you know, God probably just wanted me on his team. Because I'd be so effective and fruitful. We tend to think that way. We easily become blind to our need for God's saving mercy, assuming that our sin really isn't that bad or that we don't sin at all. I mean, I remember going to confession in seminary, saying to the priest, bless me, Father, it's been a week since my last confession. I did not sin this week. I know, it's sad. And he said, well, can you think of any sins in the past that you're particularly sorry for? (laughs) So I came up with something. But I can still do that today. I can think, yeah, I didn't sin much today. Oh, oh, you just haven't seen how great God is. We assume that others, non-Christians, immature Christians, those who've sinned against us, need the gospel more than we do. We forget the implications of the gospel for our lives, that God blesses us with forgiveness and adoption into his family so that we might share that blessing with others. And what a joy, which I see everywhere in this church, a desire to bless others with the blessings that you have received. That's, that's the way the gospel works. We will never play, sing, preach, repent, or perform our way into God's presence and good favor. We'll always need Jesus. We'll always need the gospel. No technique, technology, or smooth transition will ever replace the gospel, which alone is the power of God. We must never forget how good the gospel really is. So, Final implications. When we come on Sundays, what are we looking for? What are we hoping to find? What are we hoping to leave encouraged by? When you come, look for evidences of this gospel shape and seek to benefit from them. Expect to find the greatness of God here. It's not just us meeting here. God meets with us. Expect to encounter the greatness of God. This isn't a Kiwanis meeting. This isn't, you know, a country club. This isn't a people of mutual interest just gathering together. This is God's people gathering in his presence by the power of his spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. 
It's more important than any meeting taking place on the face of the earth when the church gathers. Do you expect to encounter God? Do you expect to see his greatness? Do you expect to become more aware of your own sinfulness? Or are you trying to hide from that? Do you expect to be assured of God's forgiveness and mercy and grace in Jesus Christ? And here ringing in your ears, you are fully forgiven. I hold no sin against you. Are you do you come ready to pour out your heart in thankfulness and prayer and praise? Or do you come eager to hear God's word? Ready to, to, to follow whatever you hear from God's word? Are you, are you looking forward to enjoying communion with God's people and being sent out with his blessing? More aware of what Jesus has done than what we have to do. So that's the first thing. Look for evidences of the gospel shake. Two, focus more on what elements of a meeting are meant to communicate rather than the elements themselves. And by that I mean, don't think of things just like, well, the, the sermon. I so appreciated, um, I think it was Peter's yeah, reference to Keith's message last week on Malachi. Yeah, it wasn't just a sermon. You never have just a sermon. It's, it's God meeting his people through his word. It's God transforming hearts through his word. We're not just singing. We're doing more than that. We're praising God. We're worshiping God. We're extolling him. We're teaching and admonishing one another. We're doing all that. We're praying. We're praising. We're repenting. We're confessing. We're doing all those things. So think about what's actually happening as you do these things. Look for these gospel patterns when you read your Bible. Grow in your understanding of an appreciation for the way God relates to us as people and the effect that should have on us. You know, sometimes we read our Bibles and we think, well, that has nothing to do with me, but I, you know, I'll, just, I'll try and learn from it. And that's how I used to view Isaiah. I'm not a prophet in the Old Testament, so that's like totally unrelated to me. But God hasn't changed. He's still holy. And I still want to see him in light of his holiness. And I want to experience that conviction of sin of my own sinfulness and the assurance of pardon that Jesus alone has provided. And finally, recognize that our greatest need is to remember, benefit from, and respond to the gospel every week, not to evaluate our leaders. This is for you guys. Our greatest need is the gospel. You know, those who lead the church seek to do what they do, and I know these men do, to, to please the Lord and to, to bring him glory. But we're fallible. You know, we'll mess up, we'll do things, we might do some things that irritate you. You know? But the job of those God has given to lead the church is not to be perfect. It's, it's to serve you with the greatest thing they have, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if, you know, someone's leading the music and you're thinking, well, you know, they're not doing a great job. Wish Matt was here. Man, I don't know. You know, listen, people all around you are, are entering into the good of what God has brought us together for. You're just being critical, and God's evaluating you. While you're evaluating someone else, God's evaluating you and say, you know what? You're not here for the right reason. You're here to meet me. And that's not dependent on any individual. And when we gather and we tell this story, oh, feel the effect of that. Every week, I mean, I'm, we're going to walk out of here and we will forget what we talked about and sang about in five minutes, many of us. Now, I, I pray that's not the case, because it shouldn't be. 
We want to remember what we talked about, what we sang about. But we'll need to do it again next week. Oh, without question. Because we need to hear the gospel presented again and again. That's why corporate worship is nothing more and nothing less than a representation of the gospel in the presence of God and his people for his glory and their good. Isn't it amazing that God allows us the privilege of doing this, of gathering together week to week to remind ourselves of how great and glorious Jesus Christ really is? Have you lost your affection for him? Does the thought of Jesus, who who came to this earth, left his throne, came to, to breathe the dust of earth and live a perfect life in our place, die for our sins in our place, rise from the dead, Ascend to his Father's right hand. Intercede for us now. Does that not move you? Are you more excited about shopping or Xbox or or sports or a relationship? Not that not any of those things are inherently wrong. But let's let's get our priorities straight. Jesus Christ is our life. He's my life. He's your life. And one day, that will be perfectly clear. And everything else that seems so important now just won't seem that important. And what will be important is this. Am I in Christ or am I not in Christ? And it's the gospel which assures us we are in Christ. I don't ever want to forget that. I want to always treasure it. I want to always be reminded of it. And that's what happens every time we gather here. May that be our testimony. And I think it is. I don't see this as a corrective word as much as an encouraging word. Keep doing what you're doing. But I don't assume that everybody's at the same place and that some of us don't need encouragement and reminders and at times rebukes to to call our attention to what matters the most. Praise God that we get to do this freely without fear of persecution. That may come someday. Some Christians throughout the world, many Christians throughout the world cannot do this without fear of being discovered and being tortured and losing their lives. It's worth it. It's worth it. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time we've had to gather around the gospel. We thank you that it is your spirit who has made this possible. We pray that we would derive the maximum benefit from it and that we would leave here more amazed 
by your grace, more amazed by your greatness, more amazed by your mercy in Jesus Christ, more amazed that you are a God who loves to answer prayer, a God who loves to reveal your will to his people. And may our cry always be, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because Jesus, you alone are our joy, you alone are our hope, you alone are our life. Let's stand together and end with this song. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Yes, he's solid ground. This is in his love today. What a great place to be. No other place we'd rather be. In Christ alone, we took on flesh, fullness of God.